everyone. Here is Daniel with another episode of our Ecom show. And today I'm here with uh, Ronnie from Bangkok, Thailand. And uh, before we start our uh, podcast today, because Ronnie has a watch brand, an e-commerce watch brand, and let me refer back to one of our first episodes, which was the 12th episode with uh, Aaron, who also has a watch brand in Australia. Anyone can check out that episode. Basically, he works with influencers. He knows some people in uh, California and Hollywood and It's a very interesting story how he built up his uh, very original and Australian watch brand. So today with Ronnie, we will talk about uh, his brand and how he built it up during the years. This show is sponsored by Budai Media. Budai Media is a fully remote e-commerce focused retention marketing agency. In the last three years, Budai Media worked with more than 100 e-commerce clients and generated an eight-figure extra revenue for these clients. If you want to check out their website, go to thebudaimedia.com and just send an email or actually you can just drop a message to me on any of my social media channels if you are interested to work with us. Uh, hey, Ronnie, how are you? Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Daniel. Thanks so much. Yeah, great. So before we, you know, start talking about more technical things and marketing things. So what's your story? What's your background? Like, is is this your very first business or you had, you know, several businesses before? What's the story? Yeah, I mean, I can take you through the process. So my name is Ronnie Teja. I live in Bangkok, Thailand right now. I was born in India. I was born in India. I studied in the UK and then my family immigrated to Canada. So I am Canadian. So I'm from a place called Vancouver, BC. That's where I started my watch brand. So along the way, I've, I've lived in a few different places along the way. I've lived in Australia, South Africa, Ukraine, yeah, Budapest of all the places. So I've, I've had the privilege of living in a, in, a, in a few different places. So this was my first business uh, at one point in time in my life. So my background is uh, is in is in econom uh, is in economics, right? Okay. So master's in economics, and then I have um, I'm, I'm a failed PhD. At, uh, at writing my master's thesis on poverty economics, so which is kind of completely different from what I do today. So uh, quite quite a juxtaposition of what I studied and where I am in life. But however, when we immigrated to Canada, I taught myself digital marketing. And as a result of that, I was given the opportunity to work with Best Buy, HSBC. In Australia, I worked with a couple of brands such as uh, Coles, um, Target. Uh, to name a few and then from there on forth you know i came back worked for a few e-commerce companies back in vancouver and uh, you know I, I was going to do the nine to five route to, to be very frank till i found this job at mech which i really wanted right so huh? this job was so mech is like a it's an outdoor recreation company and they basically told me to my face they said look we're not going to give you the job and i said okay well, i'd like to know some feedback as to why and they said you're a flight risk and i'm like okay what does a flight risk mean they're like you change your jobs every two years I'm like, okay, so I changed, and this is like 2013, 2014. So take it with a pinch of salt. Times were quite different back then. And I'm like, okay, so you want me to work, at, uh, you know, in modern day slavery, at the term I use is servitude, to come and work for you at the end of the day for the rest of my life. And, you know, what, what, what am I going to gain from it? So I said, all right, good thing. Turning 30, I was turning 30 in a year, so I was 29 back then. And I said, okay, well, probably for the best. And I jumped into, uh, somebody told me somewhere, I read somewhere on the internet that, you know, watch margins are phenomenal. And I said, all right, this seems like something fun. I don't, I, and I, I didn't know anything about watches then. I still don't know much about watches now. I'll be, I'll be extremely frank with you. What I do have is a passion to, to grow the business. There are people in place who are a lot better at knowing watches, how watches are done, uh, watchmakers. So we have, we've hired some of the top watchmakers in the world to help to, and designers to come and help us come up with ideas. But what I would say my focus was from day one was to find the supply chain, the supplies, the ops, 
uh, and running and running a, a team that is far better and far more efficient than who I am as an individual. So I'm a, I'm a moderately qualified person, a generalist who is surrounded by extremely capable specialists. Yeah, I see. So uh, your main knowledge is not really about the product or the watches because you have the right people to understand that. Yes. But uh, because of your background, I guess you are more person of the numbers and economics and just understanding the principles of a business. Somewhat. Um, uh, but, uh, you know what? I'm not the best at it, but, you know, experience and time time are a, are a great friend and help, right? So now I can now understand when people say, you know, XYZ has so many years of experience of working on you know, so-and-so technology. But I sincerely do believe that the, the future belongs to the generalists. And the reason why I say that is because you, you can't put 90% of your effort into specializing in one thing. If you put 90% of your uh, effort into, you know, knowing a little bit of everything, as an entrepreneur, I think you need to be, to dabble in the fact that, you know, you, you need to be good at operations, you need to be good at marketing, you need to be good at accounting, you need to be good at supply chain, sourcing, all these other things. You wear different hats every day. So you need to know a little, 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 little bit about each, each thing about the process. However, you're not a specialist. You, you, you hire specialists uh, who are a lot better than you to go and execute for you at the end of the day. That's my two cents on the situation. Yeah. On the other hand, your business must be a specialist, right? So you have to have yes. a certain niche. You cannot sell everything. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not the everything store. I'm not Amazon. No. So yeah. the niche is watches. I have, like, and I mentioned this earlier, we have some of the best watch designers that money can buy and some of the best folks in the business who, who can design and make these watches. We make these prototypes. We source them from China, from Shenzhen, you know, the world's factory. And from there on out, what we're able to do is we're able to take these watches and we're able to mass manufacture them for a lot cheaper than what they would cost anywhere else. So the movement that we use is, is a quartz movement or a Japanese Miura movement in some cases. And then we take, you know, and then it's off to the races for us. I mean, so th a Miura movement is basically what, what Casio would use. It's the most, or a Swatch would use, right? It's like, it's the cheapest movement out there in the market. A movement for, like that would, would cost you any, anything between 30 to 50 to $70, depending on what you're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, as soon as you have the Swiss movement, which is a lot different, which is more mechanical and everything else, those movements start at about $250, $300, right? And I'm just talking the cost of the movement only. I'm not talking yeah. about the thing. I'm not talking about the sapphire glass on top with the with the coating, the uh, the watch strap, all that other stuff. That's a different story. How many products do you have overall? We only have 75 SKUs. So we use the 80-20 principle. Every collection that comes out, we, you know, we keep the 80%. We reach a we, we release a watch collection. 20% are usually the best sellers. We keep those. Discard, you know, put 80% uh, on overstock with the ones that we can't sell, which is last year's models. We put them on overstock or get rid of them on a bulk buy website uh, because the last year's models. And then you know, we introduce a new, let's say, the new collection. What we usually do is before we launch a collection, we're able to test out with the email list or from retargeting our customers as to which ones they prefer the most. So we actually have coupons and we launch contests and everything else to find out. Okay, so we have these ideas. There's usually, you know, different. The problem with design is quite subjective, right? So what I like for design versus yeah. what Dan would like for design would be two completely different things. But however, asking 100 people, do I like the black and gold and Daniel likes the rose gold and black, which one's better? I think 100 people would be much better than my opinion and Daniel's opinion. Yeah, yeah. So... We let the numbers talk when we have a decent sample size to make a consensus of a decision, basically.
Yeah, I totally agree. And with my agency, with many clients, we had the same that, you know, I had a certain opinion or the account manager or somebody, the designer had a certain opinion, but the audience wants something different. And then your opinion doesn't really matter if the customers want something else. So the customer is uh, always right. Yeah. I know SEO is big for you. And I'm just curious, you know, what was your uh, journey or when you started the business, what were the first I'm channels? I'm SEO by profession. I can tell you this. So I'll tell you how I learned SEO. I learned SEO because of networking and being surrounded by people who are better than me. So every year in Chiang Mai and Thailand, mm -hmm. there's a conference called the SEO, the SEO conference. Yeah, yeah, I know about it. Yeah. Yes, hosted by a gentleman named Mandegri. If you end up at this conference, which I suggest you do, you will be surrounded by some of the, the best people around and the friendliest people who are happy to talk to you about SEO. I've been attend I attended the conference for till out and because I was surrounded by such smart people, I was actually given the opportunity to understand and learn SEO from a different person. So I'm a self-taught SEO person. My background is in ads. So it's like church and state. I taught myself SEO, but my background's in Google paid ads. So it's a completely different ballgame as to where I come from and from where I can actually uh, learn these things from. Over a period of the last seven years, what I've also done is we've acquired a lot of affiliate websites in the affiliate space. So it was very important for me to teach myself SEO from that perspective mm -hmm. to see how I can actually scale. And once I was able to scale, so, you know, for example, if you wanted to enter the South African market, we would always go and look at, okay, you know, best watches 2021 reviews. You know, there's a new review update which has sort of hit us and some of our websites. But the thing is, there's different strokes for different folks, right? So we actually want to look into different opportunities and different, uh, explore different platforms. In some cases, when we go into a country, we'll buy about two to three different affiliate websites and do an affiliate rev share with the business owners of these websites. You know, we, we start by becoming an affiliate advertiser for these websites. When we know which website performs the best, we end up going to acquire them. That is the basis of my okay on the strategy. Yes. And because I know that these people are going to generate a lot more than revenue than what we're going to pay for them over the next five years, we give them a lump sum payment up front, which is usually we can then get a discount out of it, which is about 70%, 70 cents on the dollar basis. Yeah, that's interesting. What will you tell to those people who say that SEO takes too much time? I think you just have to be patient, but unless you're Mr. Moneybags, then you go and start acquiring websites and doing roll-ups. You, you have to have a strategy. You have to have a strategy on both perspectives. It's like having a paid search strategy, a social strategy, and uh, an influence strategy. Then why don't you have an SEO strategy? Just because it takes too long. I mean, we scaled a website, one of our websites from like, I would say, if you look at it four years ago, we were getting 5,000 visits. Today, we have about 2 million visits. Mm -hmm. And that's free traffic, by the way. Free traffic, 2 million every month, no matter what. So yeah, I mean, I'd say, I'd say like, did patients pay off after four years? Yeah, I get 2 million free organic visitors every month. That's about... And in terms of revenue, let me count that out for you. In terms of revenue, that's about 300 grand a month of free money that lands at my doorstep. Why? Because From one website, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was just because I had a long-term vision for four years. People just, the problem with people is because everything is like your phone. Everything is like your WhatsApp or your Instagram. People want instant gratification. And if you want instant gratification, maybe, you know, the reason. Don't do business. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, go set up a dropshipping website, man. Do that, do that route. But the thing is, if you want to be an entrepreneur, then, you know, it's like, you know, let me use a, my intuition here, but it also could be one of the situations where I say, you know, people in Bitcoin say, you know, iron hands, hodl. It's the same mentality bloody hell you're using in, in business, except in business teaches you true perseverance because, you know, your your business is going to go up, your business is going to, it's going to market forces. I've been suspended by Google, suspended by Facebook. I've been hit by penalties on Google the, with the SEO updates. Everything happens. And the thing is, when these things happen for me, I consider it to be like a lucky thing because I end up doubling down on those on those situations. And because we've been able to double down, we come out on the other side twice as effective. So you, you learn, you you regroup and you scale. And that's how you, you, you scale to about, you know, having 50, 60 employees 
in about 20 different countries. This is how you scale. Yeah, I really wanted to ask this question because I also talked to so many e-commerce business owners, marketers, and they are impatient. And most of them, they rely on paid ads, Facebook ads, pretty much. And uh, SEO is one of the last things that they think about. Well, look, I mean, at some point in time, you're going to run out of things to do, right? Like you can't always base if so. The question is, a lot of people think of the e-commerce business like a washing machine. I have $100. I'm going to put $100 in this washing machine, right? And out of this washing machine, I will take my profit out. So out of this profit could be like 10 cents some days. It could be a dollar. It could be $2, right? But what are not, not a lot of people are saying, I have this washing machine. Instead of putting $100 in, I'll also invest, you know, in the long term, which is I'll, I'll get a nice little Tide pod or some eco-friendly washing thing going on here, which, you know, over the time will preserve the longevity of that machine. Now, that longevity in this case is an analogy for your brand. How many people, and yeah. everybody talks about brand, 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 and I... I myself was quite late to learning this myself. So when people talk about, you know, the branded aspect of it, it would be okay. You know, your paid ad can only get you far. Your exit on your paid ad is going to be, let's say, your valuation multiple. So for example, if I have a, let's say I have a phone cover store, right? I make phone covers. It's it's a very common thing. People are going to only, you know, give me 1.5x of multiple of my net profit. That's all I'm going to get. Now, compare that to Peel. Peel now makes also phone covers, right? Number one, people know the brand Peel. Peel does about $6 million in sales maybe seven, right? Peel's exit valuation is going to be between five to eight X because people know the brand Peel. Quite a lot of difference between the two sort of mindsets. They could be the same product, same quality. In fact, your dropshipping store or your other e-commerce store might have better quality than Peel even. But because people don't know it, your business valuation doesn't know it, nobody knows it, you're never going to get the same sort of exit value. Yeah, brand value is huge and uh, the growth itself. Yeah, and, and the brand value does come from all these other things. The brand value isn't just going to come from advertising, right? The brand value comes from your social, comes from your PR, comes from all these other things. What I would say is, you know, it's like that same thing I was going back in the in the what I was saying at the beginning. Get a flavor of everything going on, right? Of course, you, you put your bets, you know, let's say 70% of everything is paid. If it's paid ads, then focus on paid ads. But don't forget, you know, your email, your SMS subscribers, your gift card program, your SEO, all that stuff. But if I were to, you know, if people are asking me what is the road forward and how I would prioritize it, I mean, it depends on your business. Don't ask me to prioritize for you because I don't know your business. But yeah, paid paid ads, influences, SEO, email should be the basis of your business, no matter what. Whatever order you put them in is up to you. Yeah, I, I won't ask you to prioritize. Uh, we leave it a lot to of people do trust me decide one thing i want to ask though is uh, what's your opinion on email and uh, when it comes to valuation and you know what value it has in the business in e-commerce well email is basically like free free sales man it's like free customer sales basically for you so for example you know if you have a uh, you know if you're a clavy if you if you're on clavy or something and you're running a shopify store like flows like i i'm in love with clavy i can't speak enough about them i'm on the uh, customer advisory board as well not just because of that but also because of the fact that they they have taken an email so I, I used to be on mailchimp and then we of course moved to clavio and the difference is night and day especially the flows especially the data reporting especially the analytics inside especially the you know you know how deep you can dive with the customers on data so even it could be card management you know the, what the upsell flows look like what the cross sell flows look like etc etc i know for a fact that 12 percent to 13 percent of our total revenue every year is driven through email so instead of paying let's say a cost of acquisition for a customer could be let's say it's you know 50 dollars for the sake of saying it right my cost of acquisition of customer my cac on email is about five to seven dollars not even yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah so now you, you factor those two things in and you're like okay one is one literally one customer is 10x the price 
and one, uh, you know, one's like so much. So your margins are better. Everything is better. I mean, I don't need to go into that. So always keep an eye on how to grow your email list. I mean, some of the recommendations I may give you would be, you know, have a nice quiz. You know, a good a good friend of mine, Eric Bandholz, who, run who runs a company called Beard Brand. Check out what Beard Brand quiz looks like. Follow that, man. They they get about you know six hundred to a thousand subscribers a week from that quiz. Yeah, for these beauty and fashion brands, quizzes are really recommended. Uh, supplement brands, we also yes. do it a lot because everyone is different. Every people need different supplements, different watches, different t-shirt, whatever. And you can ask a few parameters and then you can collect that data and then you can email them. So it's of pretty course. good. And similarly, I would also recommend using SMS. Klaviyo does offer SMS. Yeah. It, it does have the flow functionality. So you should always look into that aspect as well if you can. Yeah. You use a Klaviyo for SMS or? I use attentive. Attentive. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, usually it's good to, I don't put all my eggs in one basket. I usually like to mix and match them. Yeah. And the third thing would be messenger marketing. I, I marketing, think marketing. I've tried it. I failed at it. Uh, I'm not the right person to talk about it. I'll admit when I'm, when I don't know things and this thing, I don't know too much about. I'll be, I'll yeah. be frank. I think it really depends on the brand. For some brands, we could see this, uh, you know, being better than email or SMS. For yeah. others, it didn't work at all. So yeah, we've tried it. We failed at it. And I'll say, look, I'm not the best at it. So I'm not the, mm -hmm. the best. The other two things that I've told you, I'm happy to discuss it down to the ends of the earth. Yeah, yeah. And besides SEO, what other channels do you use? You mentioned influencer, PPC. Yeah. How, how yeah. much did you dive into those, or you have your specialists on those areas? And yeah, yeah. It's it's other people's jobs, man. I just go and look at the ROAS on them now. Like, if you're asking me for the keys to my house, and then you want to inspect my house, I think everybody everybody has an opportunity to learn, and you know, everybody knows the the keys to everything. I've, I've given you four priorities. Focus on those four priorities, and then you go on from there. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. the size of the team at the moment? 50 people. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'm really, you know, I have one more question to you. So Good. what advice would you give to, let's say, an e-commerce entrepreneur who in the six-figure, maybe seven-figure level, and they want to achieve the eight-figure level? I know every e-commerce business is different, as you also said. Yeah, maybe one thing that you would really tell I them. would say perseverance, man. Like, you need to persevere. Don't give up. Like, it's like, it sounds like a dead and broken record. Perseverance and focus is pretty important. I mean, for me, when I... I, I truly found focus in the last, and I'll be frank, is in the last year, I gave up drinking, started waking up at 5 a.m. My life changed. I don't work 80 hours. I work normal 30, 35 hours a week. I don't yeah. go crazy. But what I did was I found myself being a lot more efficient with my time, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people just sit in front of a computer and call it work. Uh, eight hours of work, what we call eight hours of donkey work in an hour, to be honest. So focus, You don't focus, believe focus. in uh, hustling, I don't know, 100 hours a these week. All, and... These are all tech bro terms, man. These are all like, uh, I'm, I, look, I'm going to call a spade a spade here. All these people, People, you know, everybody's like, you know, I read Zero to One by Peter Thiel and I, and you know, I read Steve Jobs' autobiography and, you know, I will be the next tech, tech guru, blah, blah. That is all bullshit. And I'll tell you why. These are stories uh, or these are the lessons that that particular person, right? Yeah. That was their mantra of success. It is not going to apply to you ever. And a lot of what a lot of people make the mistake of thinking it is if I follow this golden golden path and golden rule, I will get there. Most businesses or most entrepreneurs who've been successful, there's a few, there's two or three qualities that they've been really good at, right? Number one is they worked really hard and they've been very passionate about their life, about their idea or whatever, right? Number two is they've been at the right place at the right time. Bill Gates launching Microsoft or, you know, uh, the resurgence of Apple, et cetera, et cetera. 90% uh, 90, 90 is hard work, 10% is luck. You know, if, if you if you disagree with me, go read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, and then come back to me. And tell I me. just read it a few months ago. And, there you uh, go. So, so there you go. Book, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a phenomenal book so because he talks about yeah, the 10,000 yeah. hours, but he also talks about being at the right place at the right time. Number yeah. three is persevere in the sense that life is going to go up and down, right? 
if you are truly passionate about what you started, then see it through to the end. And the end in this case might mean an exit, right? So these are the three things I'll leave you with. Yeah. Thank you, Ronnie. And I know you have to go now. So yeah, uh, yeah thanks again for being in the podcast. And thanks everyone who listened to us today or later, you know, the podcast. So uh, yeah, thanks again. And Perfect, stay man. tuned. Every week we have one episode. So Perfect. Thanks, Daniel. I'll speak soon, buddy. Cheers. Yeah. Bye. See you.